Welcome and you're listening to Geekologist Radio 2.0, a division of the Ninja Pancake family of podcasts. Hey, it's Damien, and welcome to Geekologist Radio 2.0. We jump past our weekly update. I get right into our initial review of Vampire. It's awesome! I'm just saying that right now, just as far as I am. I know that sounds like I've already made my review, but honestly, guys, I'm only a few hours in. But, you know, I'm not a mul- I'm not a single-player kind of guy. I'm just You'll get more into that a little later, but it's good. It's good, guys. And it doesn't sparkle. And then we're going to slide into the classic VW bug. That's right. You know who we're talking about. Bumblebee. And discuss some trailers. Maybe that would have been Bumblebee too. I should have held off for that. But guys, hey, we're getting ready to get out this week. Going full speed ahead into Geekologist Radio 2.0. And that little laughter you heard there, that would be my compadre, my brother-in-law. Nick, what's going on, man? Not much, buddy. So for all the listeners out there, Thank you again for liking the Facebook page. We are trying. This week, I've been a little bit down, busy, so I haven't been putting up a lot of content. I've seen Damien put up some good stuff. I uh, That's all That's all good and fun. Join the Discord. I linked it on the Facebook page or the Twitter. Join it on there. Join it on there and yell at me, please. <laughs> I want an argument, <laughs> but let's talk about some stuff. You know, Follow us on Twitter, Geekologist Radio, all that fun stuff, man. Yeah, and us up. be staying tuned. Mixer is a thing. Geekologist Radio is on there right now. We're hopping into streamers' uh, channels, talking with them, getting ready to set up. Or we are setting up interviews, uh, team ups, all sorts of stuff over there. It's a great, great service. Yes, we were on Twitch and we were doing fine with that, but we want to go somewhere that allows us to make make you know fun buttons and other things, interactions for people who pop in to watch us, and uh, change up our episodes a little bit by doing so such as well and then we will be taking those episodes and bringing those on over to youtube so there's gonna be a lot more other ways to get hold of us watch us and you'll be able to check out our pretty faces (laughs) i don't know nick's pretty he's got hair uh i'm just i'm kind of more like shrek but you know hey (laughs) now you're marcus okay all right i'll take I'll, i'll take that you know that's for later on. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we are skipping the weekly up- update, like we said, and getting right into game chat. And I wanted to talk about a game that just launched this last week, and we'll talk about Vampire. Vampire spelled with the Y and no E at the end. And this game is moody, it's gothic, it's bloody, it's deep, and it's got like a sexy tone to it but not like, you know, Sparkling Edward or Brad Pitt pouty lips. I'm talking about just this, like, it's like a it's like a sexy sadness to it almost. And it's it's kind of weird, but it's just, it pulls you in. And the thing is, the company that created this game, they're really good at that. Now, I'm talking about Don't Nod Entertainment. You might know them from their first game from like 2013 when they did Remember Me, or more closely, Life is Strange. And life is, and then you know they have Life is Strange too. Those are games that were really deep. They really pulled you in, made you think, made you feel, and that is exactly what the game Vampire does. 
it, I mean, basically you get, you know, most games you get these, you get some games where they will make you feel like you have to go in things and kill everybody. Well, Vampire is kind of unique in this fact that it gives you, right off the bat, it gives you three save files, okay? And I'm going to kind of give you a breakdown. My son's been playing this game along with me. He's playing on his Xbox, and he's got about 20 hours in, but his 20 hours is divided in between three playthroughs where he plays up to a section, goes back and changes up his play style, and then goes up to that point, and then jumps on to another point and plays like kind of a mid-range. Because the game, it changes up your level of how you difficult is based on how many players you or how many characters you kill. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's like a Hardy Boys book where he could change the direction of the game is going kind of, you know, back when I was a kid. And I, no, I that's, big, that's page 56. That's that's choose your own adventure, not Hardy. Boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's not. It's. Is it the Hardy Boys the choose your own adventure? Isn't that the same thing? Hardy Boys is you could pick your own adventure, too. Uh, they did have a crossover series of books, but they know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that goes in with this is that you're, you're, you know, you play the part of a World War One era surgeon named Jonathan Reed. He comes back home from London only, you know, after, after serving, uh, after serving in France, only to become a vampire. Like, but he doesn't know he's a vampire. He wakes up, he wakes up during the time when they had, you know, there was a, this like flu going around that was just killing people. And they thought it was the Spanish, Spanish. the they Spanish thought, flu. Yeah. Academic, yeah, yeah. Academic. And so it takes place during then. And he wakes up in a pile of bodies and he's pale and he's just walking around trying to find, you know, he doesn't, you don't initially get the backstory. You got to, got to seek that out. And you're kind of walking across. And then anyway, something happens and he takes a life. And that kind of takes you into this, into the story and how it goes. Now he is a self-loathing vampire. He hates himself. He, I mean, it's this is one of the things about him is, is that you you find out, you learn more about his character. You get really tied into him and you feel for this guy, but he he's always trying to kill himself, and he keeps <laughs> waking up, and he and he always survives. Um, and, so and he's so, he's recreating Deadpool before Deadpool comes out. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's pretty much what it is. But I mean, but he's not funny. He's very. He's, <laughs> I, I he's feel, not doing it in a funny way. No, no, yeah, it's depressing. Yeah. Like, like you can't. Like, I mean, the game lighting and everything feels better when you turn the lights out and you play the game. But at the same time, you almost feel like you need to have flowers and stuff kind of around you to kind of keep you happy because it's it is a very dark game. I mean, and how's how's the backdrop of you know post World War Two in London? set up for the game is it is it's that darker dreary it's, it's yeah, yeah, dreary. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it is really good and he's being hunted by it's what i find interesting is so far in the game i'm trying i'm trying to figure out why you know there's these hunters who know who you are and know that they call you a, a leech or a sucker and all this stuff they're hunting you and you're trying at the same time you're trying to track down who it is who's your killer and who these people are and why they know who you are. And it's just something that's like, I'm not typically into single player games and I always wanted to try out life is strange. I just never did. And this is something that I'm glad I got on at this one. Now, now I may right retroactively go back and play life is strange because uh, yeah, I like life is strange. Yeah, it's good. But this, this game, it makes you think. So if I wanted to make the game easy, 
you know, there's lots of everything's voiced over, voice acting, stuff like that. You have your your questions you can bring up and talk to them, uh, like, you know, like Mass Effect, things like that. And your choices, even if it doesn't involve killing someone, your choices are remembered and they, they make a difference. But this game makes you feel bad if you take the life of somebody. Okay. So like you so can, this it's it's where this so when, when you meet citizens throughout you can either choose to you can choose to basically eat anybody you want or feast on anybody you want you're saying or yeah. not eat them basically and befriend them or something yeah. or and what's creepy about this is is that so you can find someone you can see you know they might have you get to see what level their blood is so like you can you can tell them you go into the sensory thing where you can tell if they have been infected with anything, you know, if they have strong blood, basically. And what's kind of weird is, like, because it's, it's a predator in every sense, but really, this is one of the dark parts of it, where it feels like you're, sometimes when you're talking to a person, uh, if you prolong, what, I, what I've taught from talking to other players is that if you prolong killing someone and you interact with them, stuff like that, you they might eventually, they might start off with a poor blood type or but they made that blood type may eventually be at a point where you can use it and it will later on in the game and it'll be a much better, uh, okay. you'll pour more points for it. Cause that's where you take drinking bloods, where you get your experience that you can put into upgrading your powers. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you have to drink the blood? And obviously you do. Okay. So yeah. you have to feast at some point. Now, do, if you go too long without feasting, does your character start breaking down or, well, is he is he start losing his powers, or do you have to? Do you start feeling that uh, that feeling of you have to feast, so you have to find somebody to do it to? So there, while you're fighting, character people who you fight, you can feed on them, and that gives you your life force. Okay, and but it doesn't get, and it gives you some experience, but it's not like if you were to feed on the characters that actually have story. So you actually have to search people out. Yes. That will help you enhance in the game and help your character evolve. Okay. But you gotta know that if you if you feed on these people, you gotta know that if you feed on them, they're gone. And then the game, just like Westworld, when they when a character gets taken out, the game odd that you know in Westworld that that story will automatically kind of bridge itself across, but you might miss out on a second section of it. The same thing happens in the game. Now, if you want, if you kill everybody, you're going to be this like super monstrous, unstoppable force, but your game might, you might, your game's not going to last as long, or you're not going to get as deep a story. So it really balances itself on that, that pedestal of what do you want to do? And so the way that my, my son's going about it is he's using all three save files. He's got one file where he's being very cautious and it's taking him longer to play. Then he's got his second save file, which because he's frustrated from that first playthrough, he go you know he'll go onto that one where he's just brut- brutal to everything, and then he plays a kind of middle ground on his on his other playthrough, his final playthrough when he gets to a. Has session. he mentioned which one he likes so far? Um, he says he likes the story most of the first one, but he says the brutality of the skill sets on the second one are really hard to to miss out on and i'm when he said that i'm like oh man like <laughs> yeah that kind of spoiled it for you because you're like yeah because you get addicted to the upgrade or the evolution of your character so you want to stick to that i like the story mode games like we talked about life is strange and the telltale games of like walking dead i like those stories in the games and how much you can get out of a character 
So that's pretty cool that you can play it one way and get more story, and the other way you can just get the upgrade, like upgrade movie. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna. This is just my initial go through on it. I'm gonna give myself probably about a uh, at least a week because I'm I'm not in my my rotation of days off. So I'm gonna try to give myself about a week or maybe maybe a little bit a little bit longer. Uh, so maybe not this episode, but next episode, my written review will be out before my actual review on here. So initial reaction so far is it's entertaining. Some people might feel this is the one thing. Some people might feel that a $60 full price price tag on the game might be a little bit much. And that would be on the graphics side of things. And then there are there, obviously there's some bugs in the game, but the main thing that people might have a problem with is some of the, some of the play, the controls in some zones feels a little clunky, but not enough that it takes me out of the story. The story is so well put together that it just sucks you in. The backdrop's really good, but it's not like an, it's more linear than I would, that I'm used to lately. I'm cause I'm a big open world game player. So yeah. I don't mind those linear path games, you know, single player games, you know, God of War, you know, yeah. something like that where you kind of have to go one direction. Actually, this God of War is a way more open though. But uh yeah, I don't mind that. So overall, you think it's worth $60 cuz when you said that, that was like, "Ooh, that is kind of high." It is, it is it is, but um yeah, I I think I do think it's worth it. So far, I've gotten enough the fact that the fact that I have a teenager who's playing it that's so enthralled by the story that he's playing playing it through right off the bat three playthroughs tells me that they did something right with the story and then the fact that i'm playing it and i'm playing a single player game over multiplayer game for me that's saying hey i got something special here and i know that they they had to delay this game quite a bit and i want i want i I like don't nod i know that they're a a more of a local they're a local studio and i want them i want to support them them. out Yeah, yeah support i understand that yeah so so far, initial reaction is yes, it's a good game. However, the, that that one caveat to that is if there's something else that's coming out that that would keep you from getting, I would say maybe go with the other and wait for a sale. But Detroit, you, yeah, like if you don't have, but if you don't have something else like that, pick this up. And this is available on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation Four. I mean, you can get it where you can get it, and definitely if you if you like these kind of moody stories. Try it out, and I will have a full review later on. Is it on Xbox Game Pass, by the way? No, it's Did not. You on, see it's, it? it's not uh, on Game Pass. See, that would be a good one for them to add on for people to try before they buy. That I, I fully agree. Or, or you know, do what the old school did. Almost, you know, back in the day, almost every game had a demo. Oh, I forgot about demos. Yeah, demos. You remember yeah, like you used to the get game the free... magazine? You get the the disc that had yeah. the demos on it. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's like well, granted, not a lot of people even have. You know systems that use a disc drive anymore or CD CD drive, but you know it's like yeah. or digital codes. Give a demo. You know Xbox has demos. I forgot but- about the demos on the old magazines. And you go to the store and you're like, oh, I want to get this magazine because it has the new demo for Twisted Metal. Yeah, and you have to flip through them because everybody stole them off the magazine. And you're like, where's one with them actually at it? Then they started wrapping them in plastic. And yeah, yep. yeah, that was great. The demos are awesome. I forgot all about that. Oh yeah. Uh, we just kind of dated ourselves a little bit there, but you know, oh well. 
I think we did that a long time ago, buddy. True. Now, the next thing in game chat that I wanted to just touch on real quick before we get into our massive trailer talk is Sea of Thieves. Uh, where by the time this comes out, it will actually be over. The Hunger and Deep will be over. Right now, this is the last week. And kind of the thing that we're seeing here is that with these events is that if you have the opportunity, it's to get the event done or try to get the event done in the first in the first few days of it launching is probably the best to do it because you get, because now what we're coming into is people, it's harder. People are scrambling to try to get the event done. I'm helping out as many as I can. Uh, if you're basically, it's kind of, it's a, it's a little harder to get into. Like I know my brother's been trying to get into it. It's his hours that he tries to do it on. Uh, guys, if you're looking for this, definitely use your Discord. Use your uh, social media is your friend. Find people that are that are Sherpaing people through this, and you'll be able to get it done. It is, but the event itself, like I'm curious to see how they're going to in, uh, implement Meg in the future because she's not the the Megalodon's not going away. Just this particular quest line is the uh, Merrick's still going to be available for certain things, and so. Somehow the character and there's going to be always a reason for this this threat to be around. So we're going to see how that is. It may become a, an, another incident like, uh, like Karen the Kraken. So well, this was this is a pretty popular DLC. So I don't see a reason why. I understand bringing it in and taking it out because then it heightens you know people's excitement for it instead of just leaving it in the game. I don't see why they wouldn't bring this back though. Yeah, I mean, right or now, or some form of it. Yeah, right. But they're good. But they're going into the weekly content. We know that our first weekly, uh, week weekly. I think it's supposed to be happening next Tuesday when this, uh, when probably when this episode launches. Uh, we're looking at uh the skeleton thrones, which are going to be interesting because skeleton thrones you're going to have to look for them, and it's going to require a lot of times they're going to be in weird spots to where you're going to have to probably either figure out jump puzzles to get to it. Or okay. maybe you have to launch yourself from a cannon at a certain trajectory to be able to land on it to be able Those to get are there. Fun. That's yeah. fun to do. Yeah, so, I really like doing that. So it's gonna be, it's gonna cause you know, you're gonna test your skill and other things like that. But and and I have a, I have a theory also with that is that by doing these thrones, I think it's gonna give you the pieces of the skeleton lord uh, costume, which I've been really feigning after. Okay. So, I'm I'm hoping that's what's going to come with this. I don't know, but we will see. And the Hunger and Deep has been an incredible experience on in Sea of Thieves, and I'm looking forward to just the weekly stuff. And you guys, there's going to be big reveals for Sea of, Thie- sea of Thieves at E3. Uh, all a big portion of the dev team and and the community team are there right now. Like they're getting in. You can see the Twitter feed when people are showing up, and they're talking about Joe Neat was just talking about his uh, his uber drive and they're blasting <laughs> blasting uh old 90s hip-hop he says my uber rating's going down drastically right now <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we got basically for this week for game chat uh, we're going to probably be talking a lot more next week about just uh diving pretty deep within well we'll be talking about some e3 stuff definitely next week absolutely yeah. um we're hoping that we're going to get a little more, feel a little more confident about one of our favorite games, and that's PUBG. Hopefully, it's it's yeah. <laughs> I could get into it a lot right now, but uh, we got actually, a lot to talk. Actually, I'm going to write an article about P- 
PUBG and games that we <laughs> games from 1990s that remind us of PUBG now and how much money PUBG's made and how bad that the servers and everything is running, especially on Xbox. The PC side's a lot smoother. Are you talking about Army Men? Oh, Army Men's one of them. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's several games. Uh, one of the one of the the best ones was uh, I I can't think of the name of it right now. So I'm not even trying to dig in my head about it. But yeah, there were several, several on a Reddit thread that had me cracking up for about three straight days. Yeah, Ar- Army yeah. Men Army Man instantly pops in the, into my yeah, mind. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a very good one. I wonder if they, somebody mentioned that or not. I should jump in there and steal that from you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go right on ahead. So guys, are you guys ready? You know, we, we talk, you know, we try to talk and find trailers and stuff to talk about. But this week, like, we actually had to cut out some of the trailers we talked about. We had to yeah, Wreck-It Ralph, maybe next week. <laughs> yeah. So, we're going to start it off. Bumblebee, back to the 80s. I'm pretty excited about this. And I'm excited for the reasoning is that they went back to my childhood and back to the original VW, you know, VW, which I, VW Bug, which I loved. And I, just the opening scene to this trailer where she is trying to wipe off the car, kind of blow off the dust, and you kind of see underneath the car the arm drop down. I was like, "Oh my god, this reminds me! This reminds me so much of just playing with the toys myself." That and would watching happen. The animation. Yeah, yeah, that would happen. And- You'd be playing with the toy, and then all of a sudden the arm would kind of be loose. And I felt like because the original '80s toy, the arm got would get loose every, after you play. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. it would pop down. And I really feel like the director knew that and was like, I, he probably played with them himself. Then <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starscream too, in, in the trailer, the, that piece would fall off too. The uh, the end wheel, the the landing gear mm-hmm. would fall off. I, I, I kind of forgot about that. A lot of those <laughs> the old uh, Transformer toys, they would fall apart on you. What would happen is because they had a lot of metal components, but the pins that would hold the plastic wheels on would wear out, and then you'd have yeah. to have like you'd have to have someone like make a makeshift pin to go in there and bend it and everything for you, and you could fix it yourself. But yeah, no, the so. Initial reaction to this, I saw this and I thought, excuse me, I did not burp. I instantly, I looked at that and I saw it and I'm like, this feels like the Iron Giant. Like, I know that he's going to make it out because of the other movies, but I'm totally ready to like cry a bunch because it's, I, this feels like it's going to really hit you, hit you like right in the heart. And some of the initial trailers that you see on YouTube, the YouTube reaction trailers, you know, a lot of different people I've watched and I know you watch too. That was brought up probably in every single one that I have saw was the Iron Giant reference. And I, I felt it too, man. I'm like that because who doesn't love the Iron Giant and who doesn't love that story and how much when you think about that movie, how, how sad and happy you get at the same time. So I'm really excited that people are referencing the iron giant when they see this trailer and I, I, you brought it up and we didn't even talk about it. So that, that was a, uh, I'm, I'm glad you think the same thing. Yeah, no, this is something that yeah, I, I've been, I, initial reaction was, Oh God, this is the iron giant and it's transformers. Both things. I love. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, and they're, and then, and the lead actress is not, a, not, you know, it's not Shia LaBeouf. It's not a young boy this time. It's a young girl. It's Hay- Haley mm-hmm. Steinfeld uh, playing Charlie Watson. She's been in a couple things, uh, Pitch Perfect 2 or something like that. I think my wife was you know, saying something about her in that. So I'm glad they're kind of taking it a little bit different direction. I liked her already in that opening scene where he opens up in the garage. 
and she's scared against the wall and then he's like no i'm scared <laughs> like yeah. i don't know who you are and she's like no i'm I, he's like i'm not gonna she's like i'm not gonna hurt you and puts his hands up and he just buries his face into her hands right there man it's already touching me right i away, know man. i know I, it's uh, like that... come on guys in the trailer already jeez yeah i mean that's but the thing is is they had to do that because this is this is the first in the expand now well not the first so the last bay film that we got last yeah. you know the last night that was the start of the Transformers multi or Transformers uh, on screen universe, basically. So we knew we were going to get spinoffs. We knew we were going to get a bunch of other stuff. We knew that GI Joes are coming back into this at some point. They're going to be part of this. Uh, yeah. But what was great about this is that this trailer right off from the get go with that scene says, hey, we're not a Bay film. It's a little bit different, yeah. No, we're going to hit we're going to be emotional. We're going to make you we're going to focus on the human side of things, but not but the thing is that's the other thing is people would complain about them focusing on the humans that were teamed up with the robots, but instead, this is focusing on human but different side of it. It's the humanity of the robot. Yeah, and they're focusing on right away Right away, you can see they're going to focus on the connection between the two characters. Yes. And how how their relationship builds as the movie goes along and how he's probably going to end up protecting her and she's going to end up protecting him on the same, you know, as much as she can and as much as he can. And that's different. And right away, you know, it's not a Michael Bay film because when he expanded in, into an Autobot inside the garage, if it was Michael Bay, he would have shot up through the roof. The garage would have fell apart in the pieces and then she would have to hide him, you know? Yeah. But they made him more real, you know, they made him like, and when I saw him, you know, standing up, I was like, oh, he's going to rip the roof off and he did it. And I was like, okay, they made him a little bit smaller, but a VW Bug back in the day is a much smaller vehicle too. And he's also ducked down though too. Like he's- A little bit, yeah. Yeah. He's he's not, he's not, yeah, but no, I mean, it just, the the whole thing about it, man, like I saw this and I'm like, because I know that there's supposed to be some type of- War for Cybertron kind of film eventually being made too, and this this made me because that the War for Cybertron if you do that you have to because of how many deaths and stuff that are in that you have to be able to hit people in the fields, and so seeing just this one how it instantly went that route in just a pre- the first preview I'm like okay guys I'm you guys got me back on like the last I saw like I've been a huge fan uh, the last night was the first Star Wars or first. Transformers film I had not seen multiple times in theaters and this one I very well could go see multiple times yeah you're a much bigger fan than I am of those movies now I like the first one a lot the second one didn't hit for me third one was okay and the last two I I I know I've watched but it's sporadically here and there so I wasn't as much as a fan as you are I'm I'm really looking forward to this movie and like you said if they're going to end this this whole universe with the Battle of Cybertron, then they have to get you to care about these characters one-on-one. Now, if you throw 15 Autobots into the screen, it is a little bit harder to care about each one. Well, you wouldn't... This is this is all after the fact, because the War for Cybertron, it's like Star Wars, where in a galaxy far, far away... Yeah, you're it correct. Took yeah. way yeah. before all the stuff on Earth. You still have to gain some type of... A, connection. A feeling, connection, feeling for each Autobot. Or you kind of lose that, you know, and I, and actually, Optimal uh, Primus I, in the first movie, Prime. I felt, <laughs> yeah, Prime, sorry, I felt for him a lot in that movie. Yeah. And then the, as the series went on, I 
I kind of yeah. lost it a little bit, you know. So. What you, what you got to kind of do with these movies is is now that you're moving forward and you know that this you're going to have this one that's going to go back and talk about other Transformers. Yeah. What you got to do is you got to retroactively think, or, or or you got to think like you're going to do this retroactively. It all depends when that one comes out. If this one comes out later, and what you got to do is you got to automatically think uh, that okay, I need these Transformers and these other side films to mention events and other transformers that that sacrifice themselves so that it's in your head that this happened yeah this this you know but they can be vague with how they sacrifice themselves so then when you when you see that movie you're like oh man this guy's really cool i really like him oh god wait remember in that film they told me that he sacrificed himself oh and then like what they can do is they can do the whole total glenn thing from walking dead where they can make you they can drag it on and, and really freak out the audience and make you feel oh god this is about to happen and then when it does happen you're just floored and just and they, they kind of need to do something like that being the fact of the nature of the film that they're going to be producing yeah i understand that that would work for me overall though i really like this trailer i like the direction it's heading how did you and now i'm I like John Cena in com- comedies. I think he's pretty funny. I think he's a better actor than people give him credit for. He was really good in Blockers and uh, Trainwreck, the Amy Schumer's first movie that she did. How do you like him as in there as Agent Burns? You know, I if you if you go back and you think about you know Scorpion King, and you think about other films early with Dwayne Johnson. You know, it took him a good while before he started making his strides. And even the same thing when you go back and think about Dave Bautista, like you go back and find some of his more B-rated WWE films and like it just wasn't that, it just wasn't that thing. He didn't hit his stride yet. Now you got him coming out in Hotel Artemis and some other stuff we're going to be talking about, hopefully. And then Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy that he just great in. So... It's just but John Cena did all those what was it Marine films? He did. He did. He did. No, he did like, I think he did one, and then the rest of them were other wrestlers that did them. That that's that's fine. I and I'm not I'm not hating on John Cena as an actor. I think he does pretty well. And actually, if you talk to other cast members or, or not talk to, but listen to their interviews, they said both times in the Blockers and Trainwreck that he was the funniest person offset. Yeah. You know, off camera. Sorry. So I mean, but him, he this is more of a dramatic role for him. Agent Burns. We'll see. I mean, I'm not. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna crap on it yet. You know. Yeah, I want him. I want him to succeed in roles like this because sure. then we get. You know, we've, we've kind of gone into this. We haven't had, you know, our big action heroes like they did in the '80s and stuff like that. I mean, Dwayne Johnson's like our bit. He's he's right now basically our St- Stallone slash Schwarzenegger. He's the biggest action star in the planet, right? Yeah. Now. You know. Yeah. Uh, I know people that have been like redoing and you know, on Twitter have been putting up his picture on the last action here and said, please redo this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. But you, you see uh Batista too, talking about eighties action heroes. Yeah. Uh, Prison break two with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Batista's in that yeah. too. And I was watching the trailer of it and Sylvester Stallone is getting into a, a fist to cuffs or fight. And I was like, man, what is he? 60? <laughs> He's still doing it, but we don't have those, like you mean, we don't have those large action stars like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone or Jean-Claude Van Damme that we, me and you grew up with. Anymore. Yeah, and so this, you know, we have we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson, so we can get other guys to take on those roles and kind of give us that, that you know, that, that genre back. I'm all for it. 
It's kind of funny. It would be three wrestlers too. It'd be Batista, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and John Cena. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and it's fine. I'm I'm totally fine with like bring it. I'm okay with up, all three of them. Yeah. I like. Yeah. I mean, hell, because of listening to uh, the Prince and the Wolf podcast with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Josh Wolf, because of listening to those and knowing his the background he gives and talks about writing for the WWE and all that stuff. I'm actually starting to take interest in the WWE. Like I have never been interested before and I, you know, I've had lots of friends that are majorly into it. I am actually starting to like, I'm like, Oh, this is on. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll watch it. Or I'm look, I'm catch myself watching stuff on YouTube, you know, old, old uh, WWE Raws and all that stuff. And I'm like, Wait. I like the old stuff, man. I'm not going to lie. Me and my brother grew up watching it. I, if, if all I'll go into YouTube, you know, just a black hole of YouTube old wrestling films, you know. And I I spoke about Andre the Giant documentary oh, yeah. Yeah. that was on HBO. Actually, I watched that probably three weeks ago, maybe a month ago. We should talk about that sometime. You should watch that. Yeah. But that got me onto another dark hole of just old, you know, WrestleManias and, you know, him and Hulk Hogan on top of the roof driving monster trucks of the of the arena. Just all types of crazy stuff. But, yeah, I still have a little feel for me and for uh, WWF or, or WCW. Yeah. It's actually not WCW. It's WWE again. I know, but WCW is really great when me and my brother started getting back in the wrestling mid-90s when Hulk Hogan went there, the NWO. That still holds a place in my heart for the NWO and Sting. Sting, Sting, yes, Coming down yeah. on the frafters oh with the baseball bat, hitting up Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. And yeah, I mean, the the story about NWO, we can do a whole thing about that too. Cause yeah, we could. That's that's a crazy, uh, they have a, a documentary about that too, which I've watched. Yep, <laughs> yep, Mankind. Oh, I love mankind. What's yeah. it, what's interesting though about wrestling is that when a char- and this is something that Freddie Prince Jr. brings up on on his podcast is that what's interesting in it is that when a character dies, like if they kill a character off, there's no resurrection. Like if you if you kill you the character if you kill the <laughs> yeah. character off, there's no resurrection. The wrestler can come back as a new named wrestler though. Oh yeah, and so like, mankind was he came back as uh, cactus. Yeah, was cactus, cactus Jack. Cactus Jack, he was Mankind, and he was Dude Love. Yep. He was three different characters, yeah. But, I mean, Mankind, as, as a person himself, Mick Foley, who is right now really into Santa Claus, and dresses up like Santa Claus every year, and he's in the SantaCon thing. He, he's kind of a wacko, but he's a really nice guy and a good father. His Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker, I know you know what I'm talking about, with his family and kids sitting on the side. I know wrestling is scripted, like you're talking about him writing for it, but man, what a that guy put himself through a hell of a ride there. Yeah, and just they, beat his body up on that match. And they, they talk about you know the, how they beat themselves up, but then they talk about how they're like there's usually uh, they talk about how a lot of it is scripted, but then there's also some kind of free go. Like you don't like the usually the champion does not know who's going to win until right about five minutes before the show. Yeah, that, Hulk way they, Hogan, that way they don't do leaks or anything. Yeah, Hulk Hogan talked about that in the Andre Giant documentary where they were going to fight in the WrestleMania for the belt. And now Hulk Hogan had the belt at the time, you mm-hmm. know, the World Wrestling, the, the championship belt, the heavyweight championship belt. And he wasn't sure 15 minutes up to the show if Andre the Giant was going to allow him to beat him or not. Yeah. Because he honestly couldn't beat the guy. Yeah. But he wasn't sure and went in there in the ring and Andre said, go ahead and, you know, Pick he did a, he did a slam he picked him up and slammed him it's a famous match and then he gave him the leg drop he didn't know that was going to happen until Andre told him in the ring yeah because I know it, I, I, yeah. I know Andre was very like the stuff that Andre the Giant did like he was very meticulous with you know if he didn't like you 
Yeah. If he was, he, to, he would beat the tar out of you. He says that. Yeah. He will harass the hell out of you if he didn't like you. Uh, yeah. He, and he never actually held the championship belt, but he was undefeated forever. Mm-hmm. He was undefeated, but he didn't want that belt. He just wanted to go around and have kind of a good time and, you know, wrestle. Yep. And he was a big uh, partier and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Someday yeah. We, we should, you should watch that documentary. We should get into that. Oh, definitely. Next up, we got Lego Movie 2. Yes. <laughs> Lego Movie 2, the second part, 2019, with uh, with Tank Girl in it this time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, she looks a lot like Tank Girl now. Yeah, and she I, does. I, yeah, and as uh, uh, soon as Emmett was talking, for some reason I was thinking that Emmett was Will Arnett. But as soon as he was talking, I was like, wait a minute, who's voicing him this time? And you just looked at me and goes, it's Chris Pratt. I'm like, oh, yeah, Will Arnett's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> it, man, it looks like it's going to, I'm ready. For, I want to hear the song. Like, there's like, they're, they, she slaps me and goes, you can't keep thinking, acting like everything's awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. And this one, it, it takes on a very, um, it looks like the playground has, the, the, the table has now been turned into a wasteland. It's yep. very much Mad Max. You got the Duplo's little sister toy coming into yeah, play, yeah. which is terrifying. Which also puts in play my Tank Girl theory. And then it's kind of a wasteland yeah. Tank Girl stand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you got, and then you got this this like robot that is shooting out hearts, which is funny because this looks like the alien body, the shape and everything of it that's supposed to be spooky. I feel I think is they're taking in from the Friends line of Legos toys, which are more like a doll shaped and more more uh, maneuverable. Oh, and okay. so I'm thinking that the alien is going to be one of the Lego figures from from the Friends line or the Elves line or something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a, I mean, that's a good. Uh, it get, yeah, it it, it allows Lego to bring stuff in. That, Makes sense. Yeah, and I'll sell more sell Legos. more Legos, sell more Legos yeah. on all the lines. And just bring in that, you know, if you know, it's like, shoot, like, I remember, like, we used to play, like, it was war, we turned our house into the world and such up, basically did our own drawings of rooms and named them. And it was basically the 12 inch G.I. Joe's or any other action figures we had versus Barbies. So it's like, you know, which, was, which was Lacey. Lacey was the Barbies nation. And they would come at you and whip your gun out of your hand, your character's hand with their hair. I mean, it was stupid, but that's the way kids think, you know? He man, my He Man guys and my Geo Joe guys were all on top of my sister's Barbie house, yeah. destroying it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> this is just the way. So what's great about these films is that they don't take themselves seriously, and no. they they really get into the mindset of how does a kid play, and then they remind the adults through humor and other things that hey, remember this, and it's just a great family experience. This not the nostalgia feel that you get from every Lego movie so far, besides Ninja Ninjago, Ninjago, which I my I, son and watched, and I kind of watched with them, but I kind of fell off it a little bit. But Batman was great, Lego one was great. So so far, they've been knocking it out of the park with these. Now, some of the voices that I'm really excited about is Channing Tatum is Superman, Will Arnett is Batman, Nick Offerman is Metal Beard. <laughs> I love Nick Offerman so much. Uh, you I know remember Me- you remember Metal Beard, right? Yeah, and I, I say this a lot about spirit animals. Me and you make jokes all the time. Yeah. But from Parks and Rec, I, Nick Offerman is kind of me a little yeah. bit, where he's just kind of nah, I don't really want to deal with that. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm pretty good, okay, by myself. 
I love that about uh I love that uh about him and Parks and Rec. I just love Nick Offerman. And then Jonah Hill is Green Lantern, and then Charlie Day, who I love, is Benny. I love all these voice actors. It's great that all these people are are coming on to, you know, just liven up the Lego 2 a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if all these guys were in the original cast. I, I'm just throwing it. Do you know if uh, Charlie Day was? I don't think he was. I can't remember. I don't. I don't. I, and Nick Offerman definitely wasn't. No, I thought he was. I thought he was the was beard. It? I think he was no. middle beard. But uh, You're probably right, and I'm probably just talking out the side of my mouth right now. But uh, the one of the things about that is like I'm, I see the names coming up and all that stuff, and I instantly, I instantly go on to think past the Lego movie and – you go, okay. Is Channing Tatum, because uh, you, you think of Channing Tatum and Will Arnett. Like, that sounds like a, just a fun mix in general. Like, and this sounds like the Justice League we want. <laughs> Justice League Legos. <laughs> I, I totally want it now. Yeah, so Charlie Day was Benny, and the first movie, which I guess I just missed, Will, For- Will Forte was uh, Abraham Lincoln, which is hilarious. We knew Morgan Freeman was in it. Dave Franco, yeah. Jonah Hill. Yeah, I don't see. Oh, Nick Godfrey, Metal Beer. You are correct, and I am wrong. One for Damien. Metal Beer was <laughs> one of my favorite characters, so that was. I I guess I I guess I'm just not remembering it as well. I haven't seen the movie. He looked while. like a giant, like cool, because he he represented the the things that like my brother and I would do. Like we would like, why do we need a Lego body? Let's make a robot body. Just put a little head on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's I basically that too, yeah. that's basically what he was and represented. So, this movie is coming out. I'm super excited about it. It's definitely going to be a fam- take your family to kind of thing, and it's. I mean, it's going to definitely push a lot more Lego toys out there. And I'm looking forward to the game when it comes out because all the Lego games are fun. They're extremely fun. I I can't tell you how many times I played Lego Batman with my son because I like playing Robin, mm-hmm. so I'm okay being Robin. Yeah. yeah, it's a fun game. Moving on from that, we have another. A lot of these. Basically, I mean, if Bumblebee technically is anim- like half animated, so most CGI, of the CGI, yeah. so most of this is CG animated yeah. uh, trailer talk. So we're going to go next to How to Train Your Dragon Three. I'm a huge fan of How to Train Your Dragon series. Uh, like it was one of the How to Train Your Dragon was one of the first movies that I took my kids to, or actually. We went with my my parents, so like it was the first movie they got to experience going with Oma and Grandpa, and it was a big deal. We went out, we had got some, we got some of the toys for them so that they could play and they could they could because this movie just inspired their imaginations, and it did so much that it also, I mean, it, it hit me too because it's like I was I love dragons and it was Vikings and dragons. Just how cool is that? The second movie came out and it, like what they did is they did a series. The series used to be on Cartoon Network. Then it came off Cartoon Network, went to Netflix as a Netflix original. And the cartoons series, each season would be a different story, but it filled in the gaps between the movies. Now we get this one when they say that this one's going to be, it's the final is in the trilogy. And we, so the, we get, first off, they're like, oh, there's a female Night Fury. But instead, it's a day, is it a day Fury? Or what did they say? It's a Sky, Sky Fury, I think, or something like that. Anyway, it's she is the opposite of what of what yeah, Toothless she's, is. So he's a knight, because Toothless is a Night, yeah, Fury, night Fury, right? Yeah, Night Fury, yeah. So she's a day, yeah. I think. and then, But she's this pearlescent white, bright blue eyes. And the, the, the preview just takes you through where they have this utopia, but then they have to, they have to basically 
forego the utopia because another group of hunters come through. Only this hunter, group of hunters is like a is like a much larger force than the one in in two. And so there is going to be there's going to be you know obviously the comedy part, but there's yeah. going to also be the rough of I mean we're going to get a ba- another big battle. And I'm I'm looking forward to that. But one of the the things that I kind of feel that I was like, when I was telling you, you were trying to ask me what kind of off off uh, recording, what concerned I have for it. And it wasn't so much a concern as much as that. I feel like I wish this was more of the second one, and they would have done something different with the third, or at least this particular part of the story, having the female Night Fury. Into, included into this when Toothless was supposed to be the only one and all that stuff. It feels like, yes, it's that feel-good wrap-up that we can give to the story and make you feel like, okay, now there can be more of these more of these little, you know, little dragons can main have more, yeah. and also Toothless is not alone. Exactly. But it's that it's that trope where they have movies where you have a friend and then a girl comes in between or, you know, and it's that. Yeah. That is... That that particular part is what I hope is down. I hope it's just, we see it in the trailer, and I hope that's it. I hope they don't focus on that part because so you're worried that the first act is going to be finding the drag the the girl dragon. The second act is going to be splitting the two up, and the third act is going to be toothless coming back to save them again. Basically, it's going to be the the war, and I yeah. want I want more story in the second act that's going to explain the war, not focused on oh yeah I. You know, because yeah. technically, but 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 then in in the same instant, we've already seen this though, because uh, Toothless kind of had that reaction between Hiccup and uh, oh gosh, now I'm pulling a blank. Valica, on. what? Valica, not Valica. Val- it's uh, between Hiccup and because Hiccup Astrid, now, Astrid, yes, because yeah. Hiccup is now running. He is the he is the chieftain. Yes, uh, correct. His yeah. father, his father, passed away. Uh, in in the second in in the second film, which was like, oh my god, we couldn't believe that happened. Especially after he just found that his wife had been alive all this time, and you know, that was really hard. Um, but it, we do know that Gerald Butler is uh in this in some so in some like a memory part or something because it says his name's listed there. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So as one of the voice actors. They better not bring him back to life because if they do that after having the mom that was supposedly killed and she's back. It's just like, come on, guys, don't make everything just, oh, hey, guys, everything's happy. Don't don't do that. Yes, we know it's a family film and maybe I'm dogging too much on this thing because I'm a fan of it and I'm an adult. But, you know, I just feel like you need to leave some things need to be left to be to have the effect because so that's that's my, my two worries on it. But it looks fun. I know I'll go see it with my, my kids. Kids and, will like it, yeah. And it's like my kids now are like older teens, and then it's and then my my youngest is a preteen. But they have such a fondness memory of this that they'll go and enjoy themselves. Nostalgia feel for teenagers. Oh, they're so old already. <laughs> oh, I know you're right. You know. <laughs> oh, trust me, man. I wish my kids would hang on to some of the nostalgia feel that I get from movies that I saw as a kid, like Goonies or something like that, that I still love to this day, which I, I'm a good father. I've shown them Goonies. I showed them Back to the Future. But some of these these movies that came out when they were just, you know, seven, you know, six, seven, eight years old, my 14-year-old just does not have that feeling for him anymore. Yeah. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, he's more excited about the new Halloween movie coming out. 
Uh, I mean, seri- I mean, seriously, he is. I mean, that's just the way he is, though. Yeah, but the new Halloween film, that's actually I, want, I did want to bring up on that, is that I just the, the first trailer came out for it. And yep. what's interesting is we knew that initially, right off the bat, that this was going, they said that they wanted this to just connect up to the second end of the second film. And so this would be technically the third film, which would discount all the other films that were made in the series. And then, the, of course, the remake and all that stuff. Which, you know, I'm actually... They're not going to bring back H2O? Are you sure? Well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. (laughs) You know, you just said H2O. So Halloween H2O, I'm not... This is my theory, is that even though they talked about about it being over and just being the third, I feel like they're going to pull H2O, elements of H2O in, so H2O would be relevant and be, like, the basically the third, and that this would be the fourth entry, because... First off, the scar that the marks that she has, the scars, are in the same area. This this is I did some deep diving on this. This the, the scars <laughs> that they show on that they show on Laura uh, are same areas where she inflict had inflicted damage in the end of H two O. Also you're about the you're talking about the scar on the side yeah, of her yeah. left arm or high left yeah. arm they show yeah. in the trailer. Okay. Yeah. The other part is is that she has a granddaughter. And in H2O, she had a son. Josh Hartnett played her son. So I feel like they could be say, they could be pulling that in, and that would do that would pay homage to her her all her roles that she played in the Halloween series, except well, except trailer, for except for the other Halloween where she got killed. You know, they're just not they're just gonna forget about that one. <laughs> Did they forget about that in H2O? Uh, she did well. She had faked her death in H two O, is what they said. But oh. then, then after H two O came the one with Buster Rhymes, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but <laughs> I forgot to... how far how far off the rails the Halloween uh, movies have gotten. <laughs> Buster Rhymes is in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was actually that one was actually. I mean, dialing back a little bit, it was cheesy <laughs> as hell, but. It was actually kind of a good good one. Is one of, it's one of my more favorite. Uh, okay, <laughs> out, out of the extended ones. But I mean, if you were to go dark, deep diving dark, uh, Halloween and Halloween Two by Rob Zombie were phenomenal. Yeah, a lot of people said they liked those. Those were like amazing. But if you're trying to stick with the original, you can't. You can't go. You you can't like turn your head to the Laura, Laura Strode's uh, story. So in this trailer, though, don't they have three kids walking down trick or treating during Halloween? Don't they mention that one of them's their granddaughter yeah, yeah. or something? Yeah, that's okay. what they mentioned. That so I'm like, okay, this right. this could that's be a nod. This could okay. be a nod to H2O. I do like in the trailer. Now I told you off the show that I'm not a huge Halloween fan. Uh, horror movies, uh, period. I don't really watch that much. They don't really do anything for me. I don't get excited for them. Because uh, you can kill, it's kind of like a Marvel movie or a Marvel comic book or a DC comic. You can kill anybody, and then just they're just alive again. So there's really no ending, or there's no if you kill off Mike Myers, you you know there's gonna be a next movie with a different Mike Myers, or you know what I mean. Yeah. So there's never really any end game to it to me. So I don't really ever feel attached to these movies. Now I said to you off the trailer, how old is Mike Myers now? Because if they're bringing him back from the original 1978. Which he was a teenager. Well, he was a teenager. He was a, came back fifteen years later. So what? Is, is he in mid twenties at that point in seventy eight? What is he? Sixty five now? Seventy years old? I mean, it just seems kind of 
ridiculous that he would be still a threat at this point. But I mean, I don't know what they didn't mention what year they're actually putting it in. Yeah, I mean, are they saying it's 2018? It could be less. I don't know. But also the opening scene where they show him in the in the psych ward, the little prison area, and they lay out this giant orange and white checkerboard that kind of give this effect of like all these people in here are crazy and mental. And I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> so that's me. I mean, you're a much bigger fan of it. So I, I, it could be a good movie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, dog it, you know, yeah. without seeing it. It's just uh, it's an interesting film too because of who directed it. And do you know who do you know who wrote and directed it? I do not. I can look it up for you if you like. You're good. Right this is gonna. I want. This is more guys. Right now, this is more for my ability to look and see the surprise on his face. David Gordon Green is the director, but the writers are John Carpenter. No, which is nice. The, the, no, 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 no. Halloween 2018 is directed by David Gordon Green. And characters are John Carpenter, screenplays David Gordon Green, and Danny McBride. That's what I was looking. Wait, you look. Oh, you know, what? We talked, <laughs> yeah, we talked we about talk it. About we talked this about this. Yes, Danny McBride yes. is a part of this. Yeah, I can. I'm so stupid. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and I, totally, I love Danny McBride. Yeah, yeah. Danny, and I'm surprised that he's going. That he actually likes to go into these dark parts and and write these type of things. Yeah. But uh, you know, from all the comedy stuff that he's written that I love, you know. Yeah, th- I mean, Danny, yeah, so Dave, uh, David Gordon Green, uh, Jeff uh, Fradley, and Danny McBride, they're a writing team. Yeah, and then, yeah, John Carpenter's character. So I wonder yeah. if John Carpenter had anything to do with the story or at all, or they're just crediting him because they're his characters. All right, last minute before we move on trivia on this, what is the Mike Myers mask based off of? Or what is it oh. a mask of? Oh, I don't know, man. I, I have no Captain no Kirk. Is it really? It's a William Shatner mask. Oh, it kind of yeah, it does kind of look like him. Yeah, it's Captain Kirk. That, that's what they did. Is they bought a Captain Kirk mask and they said, and then they like frayed up the hair, and they said, okay, that's going to be the movie. That's going to be the face we use. People did not know who it is, but yeah, that is William Shatner. <laughs> does William Shatner know that? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> he probably he's probably he probably happy about that. He's happy about everything. He pretty much is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's funny though. All yeah. right. So the next trailer that we're going to talk about is the Spider-Man Multiverse. Yes. Miles oh Morales. my God. I'm really excited for this, man. And we talked about this before about Brian Michael Bendis writing the Miles Morales cross universe comic book, which I dove into deeply. Mm-hmm. I, I love those books. I'm a big fan of Brian Michael Bendis's writing, though. So I'm kind of a fanboy on his side. And right now he's jumped off of Marvel and he's actually starting to pick up some of the DC side of things. And he has a contract with DC, which I'm actually excited about. So maybe he can. I want him to write some X-Men book. I mean, not X-Men book. Sorry. I want him to write some uh, Justice League books and maybe get a good story off that for maybe possibly a movie in the you know 2025 or something like that. Yeah. But you have to let those stories sit for a while. But his Miles Morales character in the cross multiverse were uh, uh, Peter Parker's kind of down on his luck kind of Peter Parker. And I, I love it to death, man. I know because it's like he's like, hey, you got in the, in the trailer. He's like, you got money for this, right? And it's yeah, like exactly yeah. yeah. So it's like he has become the vigilante, and he's not making money. He's just fighting, and that's how it is in the books. He's kind of a down on your luck superhero, and he's kind of like not. He's not really excited about being the superhero or even having the powers really. And when he finds somebody else that has it, he's like, "Good, you can do it." You know? Yeah. Well, he kind of he kind of plays the part 
almost of like you know it, when you saw the movie Hitch uh, was it Hitchcock not Hitchcock uh, uh, the one with uh, Freddie or not Will Will, uh, Will Smith Will Smith is in uh, is in uh, yeah I know you're talking about he's oh a superhero Hath, movie Hath, where not, he's not, a, not Hathcock uh, no um, he's kind of a uh, he's kind of an alcoholic uh, yeah uh, let me see that real quick. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Hancock. Yeah, Hancock, right. it's Hancock. Hancock. Yeah, Hancock. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Hitchcock. Ah. Hitchcock. That's funny, though. You were close. But yeah, he's kind of a down-on-your-luck alcoholic superhero who doesn't yeah. really want to help anybody. Yeah, it kind of gives you that feel of uh, Peter Parker and this multiverse one. Yeah. Who has a good voice, too? Jake Johnson is a great voice for Peter Parker. Yeah. I like Jake Johnson. Uh, and then Shamrick. Shamick Moore is Miles Morales. I don't know much about him mm-hmm. uh, or what, what he's done so far in voice acting or in acting at all. Oh, he's in the Get Down. Oh, yeah, he is in the Get Down, the Netflix series, the Get Down. Have you ever watched that? Uh, I've, I've watched bits and pieces. Ah, he's so, yeah, he's really good in that too. I love the Get Down, and the, and the, there's two seasons of that. Yeah, he's uh this kind of like ninja '70s kung fu ninja guy that has knows karate and wears the cool shoes and DJs. Yeah. He plays this really cool, like multi-step character. Yeah. I like okay. I like this guy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got a little side tantrum there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, the one thing that we said last week is we talked about spider Gwen being in it. And yeah, I, to be honest, I didn't know she was in it. I just, I just assumed. And we already talked about her today. Haley Steinfeld who's in the new Bumblebee movie is playing, you know, as yeah. the voice character for Gwen Stacy. And I love having, I love having the spider girl in there. Basically, it's just, it, it looks like it's going to be a pretty, it just looks like it's going to be a pretty cool, fun experience. And this is kind of a way for Sony to uh, branch out on their, on their character, like to be able to kind of capitalize without, you know, having Marvel in their pocket. And, to be honest, it looks like it very well could be a good route for them to go because I'm I'm just as excited about this film as I am for the live action Homecoming 2. You know, another a guy I used to listen to a lot uh, was a local radio, uh, used to be on a local radio down here, you know, your local rock mm-hmm. station. It was called Court, uh, Fat Boy in Court. Yeah, I used to listen to him. Yeah, so you know them too. So they used to when they when KUFO shut down the my local radio station, rock station, they came out with their uh, uh, own podcast, and it was just a fat, you know, uh, fat boy in court podcast. Or they changed the name of it, or so I forget what it was. But he always said, and like agreed with them that why does everybody want live action so much when you can make a killer right now, killer animation films with all the characters you want, and you could throw in a ton more characters, and it'd be way cheaper to do. You know, I love the live action stuff, but. Like you're saying here, this, you know, Into the Spider-Verse movie, I'm looking forward to this more than I am Homecoming 2. And we talked about this last week with maybe booting up Green Lantern with Jon Stewart. Now we're getting Miles Morales. I don't know if we'd get Miles Morales as, you know, a, a, a live action film. I don't think we will. See, I think we will because they've already put his uncle into play. So Miles Morales is already in play in the Marvelverse. So, I mean, they're... What this is what I think is going to happen, honestly. If you want my my take on it, going off of the Spider Multiverse kind of talk, I feel like we're going to probably see is that this is this is to get this is Sony's deal to get people hyped about Miles Morales. All right, they're going yeah. to test the water out. They're going to they're going to come off on this. Then what's going to happen is is we're going to I, I'm calling it right now in the next 
next homecoming film, we're going to be introduced to Miles Morales. And what's going to happen is, is that Sony's going to say, hey, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, you know, Peter Parker yeah. will take a part in some of these films, but he will be the, he will be given to basically Marvel. Now, now, Miles Morales will come up and take over the spider, the live action Spider-Verse for Sony. And then so Tom Holland would take over as the new Avenger. Exactly. Be, exactly. Next Avengers books. Yeah. Okay. That's a really good I I like that. That's really good. It's a way that they can it's a way that they can uh they can it's a good theory. It's a good and they still would get money from Marvel for that character, but it's a way for them to extend Tom Holland's contract and still make money off the Spider Man franchise and then instead of being seeing Peter Parker fighting uh, you know, fighting or joined up with Venom, we'll probably see Miles Morales teamed up with Venom. Yeah, that, and then you get the Spider Girl as Gwen yeah, Stacy. Yeah, exactly. You get all this stuff that they can use that they can run with. Yeah, that can be introduced. You can still use Tom Holland's Peter Parker to introduce these characters, but you get them hyped. You get them hyped by this Spider Verse. So this is how we connect Wade Wilson into the next Spider Man movie: is that him screwing with the time so much? Created we'll the create, created so the, the spider time, created the it spider created the multiverse which gives us Miles Morales which gives us Deadpool and Miles Morales going at each other. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. <laughs> now I'm just going off the rails here, but that would be amazing. It if would also said, yeah, dead. If they blame Deadpool in the movie, if Cable <laughs> was in it and he's blaming Deadpool and apologizing to Peter Parker, you know, or something oh like God, that. That would be epic. Yeah, yeah. but the, yeah, but I think I'm looking forward to this. Just as much as Spider coming, uh, Spider Man Homecoming two, which you mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago that Michael Keaton was supposed to be in it yes, too, which yes. I'm really excited about because I like them in Homecoming. I'm I'm much more excited for this man. Yeah. Now we're gonna jump out of our trailer talk, go into rumors, and we're just gonna touch really quick on this Walking Dead rumors season nine. It's been now basically official that we are losing two. It's a, yeah, it's it's a. A theory official. I mean, walking AMC hasn't came out and directly said this, but everybody is saying that. Last week I talked about how Maggie's contract is only for six episodes. Well, it's pretty much stated now she's only doing six episodes, and that's only in the first half. So something big obviously happens in the first half of Season 9 of Walking Dead. Rick is probably going to make it throughout Season 9, hopefully for us. And then we also talked about Daryl maybe taking the lead role. But they've because of Michonne and the Black Panther stuff and her in the Marvel universe, her character is gonna get a little more heightened now, you know, as the actor. So people from, you know, Marvel might come over and start watching Michonne if she's the lead. So there is a rumor out there that actually AMC is is actually engaging her to be the next lead. Which I've wanted Maggie and I think Michonne is actually better than Daryl uh for that lead role. So I'm happy about this. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. It's gonna be a mess, dude. It's, it's gonna, gonna be. be it's gonna be a mess. But the thing yeah. is, is that through you have to you have to have a mess in order to have a new new growth. Basically, talk, talking about how it's, you know, so it's gonna you know it's gonna be a mess. But the thing is, in order to be able to create the new direction that you and I would love to see happen, yeah, absolutely. You have you're gonna have to crack. You're gonna have to break some eggs. <laughs> Good, good reference. But yeah, breaking eggs or are we breaking heads? <laughs> Probably both. We're talking about Negan, you know. Uh, we're definitely gonna be cracking some heads in, in next season. Uh, and you know, Walking Dead comic books, 
no main characters that survives. Yeah, nobody's I mean, safe. Nobody's safe. Yeah, nobody's safe. Nobody survives. The person you think you attach to, you're like, oh, well, shit, they're only in one trade. This is ridiculous. I mean, I, I was really falling for this character. And the trade has introduced a new woman character who is really cool. She's really quirky. She's really outgoing and why everybody else is kind of reserved because they've been alone. They've been in the big group. She's been alone this whole time. She's been stuck in, in, in this town and she's been completely isolated. So she's just bubbly and happy to see people. So hopefully I see that character in season 10. It would be kind of awesome to see. That would be. Going from there, we're going to go into this. We have a main event this week, guys. And our main event is we have we had recorded previously a Deadpool 2 recording. There was some audio issues and a couple other things that happened in that with that little bit of the episode. And I really I'm stoked about this because not stoked about not stoked about the fact that it loses all the audio. But I'm glad sometimes having a little bit to take time to to think about things you can be more concise and be able to provide a better a better review. And basically, Deadpool 2, like, I mean, it just, it goes right in. And the first, one of the first, I'm going to toss this over to Nick. Nick, you, you did a write-up on this, and you're, it's like, you and I, we are both big, huge Wade Wilson fans. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and the whole, the whole storyline of Deadpool is one of our favorites. It is. I'll just go back and say IMDb is 8.1 now, which is a little bit different than two weeks ago when we talked about this. And Rotten Tomato only dropped one percentage point since the last time we talked about it. Last time it was 84%, which is exactly what Avengers Affinity War had. And now it's down to 83%. Not a big deal. It's still an 8 out of 10 for me. And I think you said something in the same line uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't quite remember. Now... This is spoiler talk, so if you haven't seen it, again, guys, you know, go off and see the movie. Come back and listen to this. Now, the first thing I want to dive into, Damien, is we talked about two weeks ago, but we lost that audio, so I won't mention that again because that was harsh. But uh, it, like you said, it gives us a little bit of time to like kind of dive into it and also listen to other people, what they had to say about it. And you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I didn't really think about it that way. But the first thing I want to talk about is the opening montage, which is something I asked you to watch because I saw the movie a little bit ahead of you, is the two opening montages from Deadpool 1 to Deadpool 2. was done in a similar fashion as Deadpool, but for me, not as well for me. You still get Ryan Reynolds taking shots at himself in the opening montage, taking shots at the directors and the producers, and it still made me laugh, but it didn't shock me because I kind of figured it was coming again. So the shock value wasn't there for me. So it just didn't hit as hard for me as it did the first one. I did enjoy it, but it's not as much as the first one. Yeah, no, it's something like, I, I feel kind of the same way in it. Like, I mean, but I did, I did like the montage. You got to see more places because he became like this international Merc. You know, yeah. Which which tells the story. He's the Merc with the mouth, which yep. is, you know, as much as you want to forget about his character in the Wolverine. Uh, he was the Merc with the mouth in that, at least a little <laughs> yes. bit. The little bit that Wade Wilson was in, that yes. before Deadpool, the Deadpool. Um, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but uh, you know, it was, you know, that's what he was. So he kind of went back into that kind of work, and you know, some wet work. And yeah, he was a mercenary killing off baddies around the world, basically. Yeah. So it was that opening scene on the on the freeway overpass on the bridge. And Deadpool one that kind of catches you off guard because you're not you don't know what you're expecting of this movie because Deadpool launched 
and uh, was it 2015 mm-hmm. in a February of 2015 or 2016? I think 2016, February 2016. And so usually February drop movies are not as we're not thinking about as much as like you know the our July movies, our June movies, you know our summer blockbusters. So this one really hit everybody from left field. Like, whoa, look at this opening scene here. This is amazing, you know. And as he's talking to the audience, as he's shooting people, and you know he's 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 making fun of directors. The the, the words are coming up on the screen. It just hit harder for me. And I, I know they kind of tried to replay it again. I'm not saying it was bad. Just didn't hit as hard. The thing about that opening scene, the first one though, is that a lot of us we'd already seen it, but it was with a voiced only uh, Ryan Reynolds. And every and the Deadpool was all fully CGI, because okay, because yeah, that yeah. was and that was the test footage that Ryan Reynolds just happened to leak to. <laughs> and the beginning, yeah, God, he's good. They're really good at uh, campaigning these movies. Yeah. So basically, like you talked about, he's a mercenary. He's the merc with the mouth. And how this kind of winds up to give us our full story in this movie is that the last gang he kind of goes after, he misses one of the guys. They go into a panic room, kind of locks himself in there. And he's he's actually knocking on the door like, hey, will you just come out, man? I just want to finish you off, you know? But he's running late for Vanessa, and so he wants to get out of there. Now, one of the funniest scenes that you see in the trailer is that he's running from a group of people. Why is Wade Wilson running from a group of baddies? It's not because he's scared of them. It's because he's running out of time. He's scared of his wife or, you know, Vanessa. So he dropped, he dumps into Dot Peter's taxi. You see that scene in, in the uh, trailer, yep. and that really holds up in the movie. It was funny. It was funny to watch Deadpool actually run from a group of just you know normal people. He's not scared of anything. Uh, he did save Doppinger's life because bullets are coming at that taxi. But then this is where we get to how this story opens up is that that gang member follows him back home. And as he's having some dialogue with Vanessa and they're talking about maybe starting a family and having a kid, she's she pops out the Uva ring. She puts it in a box, you know, her uh, her birth control. All that dialogue between the two of them is is really good. Uh, their relationship on screen is good. The connection between the two of them was different in each movie, but the same. And what I mean by that is that in both movies, they were separated for for long periods of times, you know, in the first movie they're separated because he has to try to, he decides that he's taking the weapon X, uh, way of, uh, and try to, uh, cure his cancer. Sorry. And, you know, he destroys his face. Basically. It looks like he's a burn victim. He is a burn victim. So in both movies, we kind of lose the on-screen presence presence that we like between the two of them in two different ways. In the first movie, we lose Wade. Presumably he's dead in the second movie. Spoiler. We lose Vanessa because the gangs follow him home and, you know, a scene takes place and Vanessa gets shot and we lose her. So I I did like how what Kevin Smith said about this is that he was really looking forward to more of Wade Wilson and Vanessa on screen and he didn't get it. How did you feel about them separating the two characters and we didn't get really, you know, the connection that we see at the end of Deadpool 1 and we get it only for a brief moment in Deadpool 2? I, you know, it was hard, but in a way that they did it, my initial reaction is because I'm a fan of the series, I'm a fan of the characters, all the characters, that I initially start thinking, I'm like, okay, I was shocked, but at the same time, are they going to pull some way of, this follows kind of this other storyline, and I start, you and I, you know, we kind of deep dive. I start thinking... This is how she becomes a superhero. Like, I got it. Yeah. You know? 
And so part of me is like, okay, this sucks, but maybe uh, then I, then then, then I'm ra- I try to rationalize. All this is happening in a couple seconds of this, you guys. I try to start rationalizing. I'm thinking, okay, well, they have all the members of the X X Force. I'm not going to mess up and call it X Factor this time. Uh, <laughs> that's the bit brilliance of being able to re-record. So so that was funny. Yeah. So you know, no Simon, Simon Cowell. Cowell Simon was Cowell. Was, no Simon Cowell is not part of this. <laughs> Simon Cowell is not part of X Force. He is not the big bad. Although he should be. That would be funny as hell. <laughs> you should hear what Howard Stern call, talks about him because during the Sony leaks, this is sidetracking. Sorry, but during the Sony leaks uh, of all the emails, one of them was uh, Simon Cowell emailing the producers at NBC or the head of NBC, something like that, about talking about how he wanted his spot, Howard Stern's spot on X Factor because he wanted to get back into American TV. So Howard Stern just calls them man tits. <laughs> so anyway, sidetrack. But he could be on the X Factor as man tits. I'm just saying. You mean on X Force? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's your fault. You yeah, brought it up. <laughs> I know. I know. That would be that'd be awesome. But uh, aside from so that, the so let me just read real quick to yeah. you, and I'll I'll see, I'll have you comment on what you think of Kevin Smith's reactions okay. to it. And this is Kevin Smith's quotes here. Quote. But you know, I fucking love the entire concept. I shouldn't have said that for it, but oh, I'm sorry. And I love the entire execution of Deadpool. But my favorite element of Deadpool was the relationship with Vanessa. So in this movie, I was like, all right, hopefully that changes midway through. And he's talking about after the death of her in the beginning of Deadpool 2. I know we're playing with time here, cable, time travel, and then it never did. So the fact that they had had me as much as they did, even though the movie I came to see wasn't happening, like I was looking for more of him and her, and I liked the relationship. I dug it, but the first 15 minutes, I'll be honest with you, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Like, it didn't feel like the movie I was hoping it would be. And not that I, I, not that I like, I had a different movie in my head. It just didn't feel like the last movie. And then about like once cable shit kicked in, suddenly the rest of it kicked in. He says like a lot of that, and that threw me off. Good lord! Have you ever listened to his interviews or any, or even on Comic Book Men? He that is how he talks. Yeah, I listened to his. I listened to a Smodcast. Yeah. So his feeling was, and that kind of made me good. Good thing that we recorded this audio again because his his comments came out later than after mm-hmm. we recorded mm-hmm. the audio, the first Deadpool uh, comment uh, review that we did. So his comments were actually brought up that question to me that uh, the question that I asked you earlier, and he was and I was like, you know what, you're kind of right because when Vanessa died, I was shocked, and then I was kind of sad by it because like, oh yeah, we're losing that relationship between the two of them. I thought we we're going to see more Vanessa and Wade Wilson. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I I felt the same way. Like when that happened. I was like, I was like, oh man, like this isn't this isn't what I thought it was going to be, and it didn't feel like the first one. And I was like, I was I was worried a little bit that me too, yeah. But exactly the same point that he brings in as soon as Cable kicks in, Cable and Deadpool together, it's just gold. And it felt I'm like, okay, this isn't the same film, but it has that same connection for me. That has that same go, but just took me. You just you just frightened me for a second. You gave me a, uh, you, you know, you gave me a jump scare and now I'm back in. And the Wade and the Vanessa death does kind of pull us into the Wade Wilson depression, which gives us the suicide montage, which they said, they said they filmed a lot of them, but they didn't want to portray that too much. So yeah. they only stuck with the one, which was funny. And that brings yeah. us back to Wade Wilson and Deadpool being Deadpool again. Yeah. Cause, cause Deadpool is the crazy bipolar suicidal superhero he's he's all these levels 
of just messed up. I would drop the F bomb, but I'm trying to try to, you know, but yeah, he's just messed up. Like he's really screwed up in the head. And that's what this all, I mean, that's what this all shows is that he's really screwed up. And I think that's what they were going for is to show a little bit more of his crazy side, because in the comic books, he talks to himself as he's fighting people. He talks to himself. A lot of the dialogue is just him and his insides, you know, just talking to his multiple, multiple personalities. So I felt like they were trying to go that direction. But again, with Kevin Smith, I was worried. But then Cable does kick in. And Cable played perfectly by Josh Brolin, and which me and you talked about we loved. And now his portrayal of Cable puts in the same light that we talked about as Wonder Woman, Deadpool for Ryan Reynolds, and The Punisher. I think those four characters now are kind of set in stone for me and you. Yeah, like I, we don't want to see anybody else playing them. No, I mean, it's, it's the same. I, I mean, here's the thing. You got those characters... And I'm willing to see what direction they go for with Wolverine. You know that eventually Wolverine's coming back. But, you know, Hugh Jackman was Wolverine. We'll see who else could be Wolverine. But I feel like as to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, Josh Brolin is to Cable. A hundred percent. Or like Tony Stark, you know, with Robert Downey Jr. Exactly. Exactly. But we don't have those attachments with every character. We don't feel that way about Chris Evans. Completely, I don't. I think he's a great Captain America, but I think somebody else could play him. And I mean, even even Bucky, I think, could play Captain America or uh, Falcon. Uh, uh, Anthony Mackie could be a great man. Uh, Captain oh, American. okay. If you're talking about the characters taking up the mantle, I could see that. And but, the actors behind the characters, but the but the actor, but the Chris, Sebastian Chris, Chris Evans as Captain yeah. America. I feel from the comics to everything else, I feel that Chris Evans embodies Captain America perfectly. And so I actually, I actually, I couldn't see the other Sebastian stand. uh, I couldn't see him playing the role, have the roles reversed. I couldn't see that. Like I, 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 he is the winter soldier. He's Bucky Barnes. I view him as that. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I, and I, I just don't feel that connection as much because Chris Evans is that World War II all-American, big six foot four, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, American, and that's not how America is anymore. We don't look at that as like the all-American guy anymore. Yeah, you know, we, we're much more diversified than we were in, in you know World War II era, and we look at diversity as a great thing now more than they did back in the ninth, you know, the early yeah, 1900s. If, yeah. So for that, yeah, if you're looking for a representation of what America is now. Then yeah, yeah, totally. I could see those characters taking on the role because uh, more than likely we're going to lose him, and so one of the other I characters think, very I think well, likely, yeah, yeah. What the other <laughs> characters just, are going to come up? I think that's why we talked about Miles Morales before in the Spider-Man yeah. universe, and that we're happy about that. And John Stewart the week before maybe rebooting him as Green Lantern because that's somebody that we grew up in the in the cartoons in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, diversify our characters a little bit. I just think somebody else could play. You know, I love Paul Rudd, but I think somebody else could play Ant-Man. You know, I just, I'm not, you, you, we're stuck on it, but I'm just not attached as much as I am to like Deadpool uh, or Josh Borland as, you know, Cable as we're talking about here. Yeah, I can get you. Now, and Deadpool 2, the Cable's relationship to this timeline that we're on, we're in with Wade Wilson also all revolves around Fire Fist. And the reason that is because F- Cable loses his family to Fire Fist in the future. So he travels back in time to kill him as a teenager. And that's where he drops into the timeline that we're in with Wade Wilson and the depression that Wade Wilson's in from Vanessa and Colossalus is just trying to mentor him back into being a human, you know, a hero and, and getting him out of his depression at this point in time. 
So this is kind of where we find Cable landing into this timeline. Now, before that, though, we do see Colossalus kind of pick up Wade Wilson to a bag after he tries to commit suicide. I don't want to miss that point because it was hilarious. It was. He blows up everything, and you just see a body bag being dragged in. But what I thought funny was on the side of the body bag, it had the X-Men emblem on it. Oh, did it? Yeah. It had the X-Men <laughs> emblem on the side because, you know, marketing. So it had the X-Men emblem on the side of the blue colored body bag that was being brought in, that he was being dragged in on. And I saw that, and the first thing I thought was, like, how great would it have been for them to reference that that body bag was one of the things that they carried the body of more for something like that? It's just some weird little thing, like, that they just toss out at. I would have loved how to far say, do the X-Men look ahead if they make body bags? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's, I know, I know. So it was just kind of like, I wanted to hear some reference to a nine, the 90s cartoon. No, that's really like that. great, man. Or like, yeah. or like, because Deadpool was talking to Colossus while he was being brought in. Brought in. And so, yeah. you know, he's in body parts and he's talking to him. And the first thing I'm thinking of is he'd be like, hmm, smells like morph in here. <laughs> dude, perfect line, dude. Exactly. That would have been beautiful you know, because me and you both want Morph to show we up. Do. In we do. We want 3. we want him to show up in Deadpool 3 and he, you know, he could be, you know, and it would be funny. Like, you know, you know, he's a cheap character to have. He hasn't been in the into any of the universe, mo- you know, he's not in the MCU. He's not in the X-Men universe for Sony. It would be perfect to slide this character And in, if you, you know? want him to be an old, you know, an older character, he could be whatever. Steve Buscemi. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and exactly. then he can morph into whatever he yeah, wants. Yeah, he wants but, to be, but you can yeah. just set his main form, you know, because he's got, yeah. when he went crazy, he had the really deep, dark underlines. Deep the, lines, and yeah. And so it's like, it's like Steve Buscemi yeah. could be the totally the crazy morph. That also brings in, if you bring in morph, is the kind of fan theories about Mr. Sinister showing up in Deadpool Season 3. A- a- exactly. So that, that links those two together, which would be great. I'm all for that. Yeah. Now, the X-Mansion scene, we have just a bunch of hilarity things. One, Deadpool's in the, <laughs> a Professor Xavier's wheelchair. Uh, playing around inside the X-Mansion, when he mentions it, hey, why are you two the only ones here? And he means uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Colossalus, and Negasonic Teenage Warhead's new girlfriend, Yukio. Uh, that's the newest character that uh, that's added in. And he's like, why are you two, why are you guys the only ones here? And in the back, we see a shot from the new upcoming X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix, and Beast kind of shut the doors. Now, what I didn't notice in there was before is that Quicksilver is behind Beast in there. Yeah. So Quicksilver's come back. I just didn't notice it before until I read about it uh, earlier this week. So a really funny scene because he always always making fun of Deadpool 1. Like, why can't I get more help? Why are you the only one here to help me? And you see Xavier and Beast just kind of shut the doors behind them just to show like, no, we're here. We just don't want to deal with you, Deadpool. Mm-hmm. It's just a hilarious scene. And then the second part was that he was wearing the Cerebro. And Klaus is like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, just, man, this thing's really, I forget the line that he says about it, but just little quirky, fun things that we get uh, caught up with him in uh, Colossalus and in the X-Mansion. And this is where Colossalus is trying to help him become a hero again. And they take him on a side mission to go try to help out this kid from, it's almost like a mutant or- orphanage, home for a, a mutant, a good, yeah, great, good, uh. Thank you. I was. I was. Gonna, I don't know where I was going to pull from. <laughs> but but the thing is, is this orphanage also the way it's set up? Uh, there's certain areas that w- when they filmed it, and this is something I didn't notice at first. And I was talking in for in on Reddit actually. I I jumped into Reddit, which is scaring the hell out of me. Scary. But so I went into Reddit and I was talking with some people, and we came up with a theory that that orphanage because in one of the scenes you see this like dark tunnel, like kind of hallway. Yeah, and it looks a lot like the. Uh, the tunnel, or it looks a lot like a scene from the preview of the New Mutants. 
Oh, good. Good pull there, man. I didn't notice that. And with the torture and everything like that is that they do there. And then if you see if you see the the uh, kind of medical equipment that they're using and the medical uh, dress that they're wearing there. Yeah, the it's white uniform. It's the same look that they have in New Mutants. So I feel like there uh, was a, that they were, there was a, we, we are in there in the chat. We were talking about how we feel that it's a vague kind of like a little nod to the New Mutants horror film that's coming out and that this could be a connection to that. It's also a nod to Mr. Sinister and what he did the morph. True. And so that's one of the Easter eggs that I read about was, and that's why the fan theory of Miss, maybe Mr. Sinister shows up in season uh, Deadpool uh, three with that. And that's why we brought up morph earlier, but yeah, the new mutants, I didn't see that angle before. So that's kind of cool, man. Yeah. I wonder if they did decide and maybe we get one of the new mutants into the X-Force or something. Oh, that would be cool. You know, you, I don't know. You just never something know. different. Yeah. But me and you, we're such, yeah. we're such fans of this stuff. We would, you know, we'll take a morph movie, you know, we'll take a, just a beast standalone movie. We'll take all this stuff. So, yeah. you know, you got to connect it somehow and, and it's fun to do. So that's when we Deadpool first meets Firefist, who is the reason that Cables came back in time. Deadpool tries to save Firefist, but actually just kind of pisses off a bunch of police officers and gets him and Firefist both locked up. And this is kind of what we went to the prison sequence and the neck devices that take away the mutant powers that me and you both saw in Gifted Season 1. Yep. Which was interesting that they used those. I wonder if they picked it off of Gifted Season 1 or... If if there was something they had written before Gifted, they saw that that episode. But I think that was like episode two of Gifted season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that was interesting to me. And then in this in this prison sequences, Fire Fist is still trying to befriend Wade and get help and have Wade help him. But Wade is depressed about Vanessa and doesn't want anybody close to him anymore. He's kind of pushing everybody away. And pushing Firefist away and actually hurting Firefist's feelings in this in this prison sequence. But he's now al- the fo- he's also di- he's also dying though because it That's- because they take the power away and so then he just basically has super cancer. Absolutely, yeah, good point. I I forgot to write that down. But the funniest scene to me in this was Firefist saying, "I have to take out the biggest guy in the yard," and that's where Black Tom comes in, which Black Tom was referenced several times but only shown a couple times. And Firefist trying to take out Black Tom. With, it was a hilarious little scene with, trying to take out the guy in the With arc. a pen. Yeah, with the with the pen. That he yeah. got out of his he got the pen out of his prison wallet. <laughs> yeah. That when that happened, like I'm, i got you know, I got two teenage boys with me. And they were just I started it's dying. Been a month since yeah. I seen the movie. They I start think. they started dying. There's like because the thing is is like, <laughs> wait, 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 you know, Deadpool, he's sitting on the ground next just moping, and he goes, wait. What do you mean your What do you mean your prison wallet? He's like, no, don't touch that. Get that. Put it away. Take it away. What do you? Where are you get it? No, put it back. Wait, don't put it back. You know, it's. <laughs> I forgot all about that, man. That made me laugh hard again. Yeah. And this is this is my first reaction in the movies too. The same way. <laughs> and that that was a very funny scene. It was. It was. And it's just it, the thing about Fire Fist also is that he's you know he's this British kid, and so he has that soft tone to him, an yeah. accent, and it's just yeah. It's so so excellent, so good. You feel you feel bad for him, and he's a cute character. But also, we know we've seen the future scene already, where he can be a very big, uh, powerful mutant that has to be kind of stopped or reined in on Wade's side. Wayne is Wade Wilson. Eventually, in this movie, is trying to rein him in and get him onto the good side, while Cable doesn't really believe in that. 
But in the prison scene, we see Cable for the first time. And that opening scene with Cable and fighting the guards. It, it's a beautifully shot scene, man. The action sequences are great in there. Wade Wilson gets hit really hard because he doesn't have his powers. I mean, when you see that arm and the pistons lock up, and you mentioned this last time, it's just like, and it hits him right in the gut. You're just like, oh, I felt I felt like Ryan Reynolds got punched. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was insane. And the thing is, is that we know that CG. Yeah, but it doesn't look like it. It felt real, man. Yeah, yeah. It really did. So basically, Cable is trying to uh, kill Firefist, and what happens is Deadpool loses a necklace and gets in the way, and Cable basically uh, destroys the prison to the point where the the warden has to move all the prisoners to a different prison in a convoy. But before this happens, we see Firefist kind of walk down uh, a corridor that you're not allowed to go to, but the door is broken now. He slips by a couple guards and he sits by this big door knowing that this is the biggest guy in the prison. And this is huge cell. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we don't know who it is, but he gives him some food and, you know. And what we find out later on that it is Juggernaut. How happy were you to see Juggernaut reprised a, again in a new, you know, a I, new role? What I liked is that they gave a nod to The Last Stand and said basically, hey, we're going to do it our own way. Because the the convoy was the same vehicles, just a reimagined version of them, uh, that you know that that was in uh, the last stand, and then what they then also just seeing Juggernaut was just this amazing thing because it was like nobody nobody knew about it, nobody knew about it. It was a good secret, and and what's interesting is when you see it, it says Juggernaut played by Juggernaut. <laughs> it actually that whole scene. Or any anything seen with Juggernaut was motion captured, voiced, played by Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, which is really cool to find out afterwards that yeah. Ryan Reynolds voiced the Juggernaut, which you don't know about before you go into the movie because you don't know that he's actually in the movie. No. So we know that the prisoners are going to get moved. So that means Firefist is going to get moved. Wade Wilson at this point has escaped. Cable's escaped. So we know Firefist and Juggernaut are going to get moved in this convoy, and so. Jug, uh, Deadpool knows that he cannot stop Cable. He wants some help. So him and Weasel come up with a LinkedIn profile. They get some some more superhuman people to come and help him. And that's when we're first introduced into Domino, Peter, which is mine and yours, both favorite. Uh, we had Bedlam, played by Terry Crews, Vanisher, Zeitgeist, and Shutterstar. And you see that kind of in a montage of interviews with Weasel. And Wade Wilson interviewing them, they join them for the team. They basically select everybody, almost everybody. It was very quickly done, and we talked about this before, that we both were worried that the X-Force was pushed into the scene or into the movie too quickly, and the group was uh, was formed really fast. So both me and you were worried about where this was heading at that point. And then we see that uh, after they select the team, they came up with a plan to jump out of an airplane in which you see in the trailer and stop the convoy. But it was mentioned several times before that. And I think you brought this up and I didn't bring this up is that there was a weather advisory and the weather advisory is that there's going to be high winds. Yes. <laughs> and if you're jumping out of a plane, what are you using typically? Well, if they're superheroes, they should just be able to land on the ground. I know. Right. But they're using parachutes, which to the detriment, <laughs> 
which becomes this huge montage. And it was there's some funny scenes in the plane between the X Force characters and Deadpool and and Peter being really scared and Deadpool's going, "No, I'm, you're gonna be fine. I have you, man. I have you." Well, no, he, you know, he yells at him first, but then he looks at him. He goes, "He goes, baby bear. I won't let anything happen to you." <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> and like, I remember, like, I remember that. I'm like, oh god, I love their dynamic together. You know, yeah. He's like his. It's like it's his his mascot. Peter was was Deadpool's mascot. Yeah, he's the X Force uh, mascot for them. Yeah, really funny scene. It didn't last long enough for me because what happens next is they all jump out of the plane. High wind warning, and basically they all die different gruesome deaths before they hit the ground. The first. Well, you the first thing you see is you see Deadpool land, and he yeah. look and he and he's all fighting and he's looking because he's way off course. He looks, and he's looking around. And he's like, "Oh God!" And you see Shatterstar doing his stupid loops and everything, like because he said that you know I do everything just that you can, just, just better, than, better than, you. than you. Yeah, and so he's kind of like cursing at Shatterstar, and you see everybody doing their thing. He's like, "Yes, that's them." And then you see it zooms in on Peter, and he's just like looking, like torpedoing down, just like you know everything's fine. <laughs> then. It shows Shatterstar, and instead it shows the wind, or it shows it shows Domino, and she's lucky, and he's like, "That's not a power." And, and she, she's like, "Yes, it is." And she's like, "Hey," she goes, he goes, "Because why is everybody ever probably because 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 there was a wind advisory." She goes, "I'm fine," and it's like she's like going up, but then it goes to Shatterstar, and he's an alien. You find, <laughs> and you see this going, and in theater you're like, "Wait." No, there's no, there's no freaking way. There's no way, no there's, way at all. This is not happening. This is not, this is not happening. And you see him going. You see his helicopter, and it's like going. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> we just got. Oh my god! And you just splatter of green gunk, gunk, gunk everywhere. Yeah. And you're like, which is because he's an alien. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, uh. <laughs> and then next, you get Bedlam. Terry freaking Cruz. Which we thought was going to be in the way more in the movie yeah. when we saw him as playing this bedlam, yeah. Gets hit by a bus. I'm like, he's a superhero. He survived that, right? He survived. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. He is dead. <laughs> and then you see Peter. He lands. Like, he's fine. He's fine. He used to stand there, and like Deadpool's yeah. like, he's like, yes, yes, thank you. Just stay, just stay there. And then you go to you go, and it shows Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist lands into. A chipper, but he doesn't start. Oh. It doesn't start yet. It, like so, he's yeah, hanging, the wood chipper. He's hanging yeah. on the edge, and then his the guy you got the guys working. They go and they turn it on, and then his his parachute gets pulled in, and he's trying to hold on to get not get pulled in. Zeitgeist shoots acid vomit. Yeah, and so then you go. You got Peter walking over there. Peter walks over there, and all the time Wade's going, no, 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 no. He freaking gets. <laughs> Half his body melted off, which is so sad. I was like, "Peter, no!" I know, and I actually yelled that in theater, and I wasn't the only one. No, I was not the, the only one. one. There's other people that went, "No!" And I'm like, Peter! I'm like, all instantly, like you know, Gina, she's all sitting there turning her head. She's like, "Oh my god!" But like you know, <laughs> me and my boys are like, we both yelled. Uh, the guys down, you know, in front of us, one guy stood up and went, "No!" Like he stood all the way up. So it's like, Peter was a fan favorite. If you can't tell, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was horrible. And the last death we have was a funny cameo because Vanisher shows up in this meeting. They can't really talk to him, but Weasel's telling Wade Wilson, yeah, he's there. He's there. So when he jumps out of the plane, he's just a parachute. You can't see no. him until he hits the power lines and he starts going. And then Deadpool's like, oh, there, oh, oh. And he was Brad Pitt, yeah. <laughs> which is another shocker for us. I mean, a small little cameo. He probably just had to do a little green screen thing for, you know, an hour or so. 
but really funny and really cool of Brad Pitt to do that, you know, yeah. just to, to reprise the role of Vanisher and uh, kill himself off. <laughs> so as we, I was saying before, me and you both were worried that the X-Force was pushed into this movie too quickly and didn't get a lot of background story of all these characters. We didn't really feel for any of them. And then on that same beat, they kill them all off. Were you happy about that or were you... Hmm. Were you worried about the movie going forward? When I saw that, I was like, "Okay, now I get what they're doing. They're keeping this. They're keeping the X Force very small. They're not going to add in a lot of people the same way they don't add in a lot of X Men, just Colossus and uh, Negus, uh, Sonic Teenage Warhead." I was okay with it. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny after the fact, but I wanted. I I happened to be a fan of Shatterstar and wanted to know yeah, wanted too. to see more of that because I was like, "Oh, this is going to tie to to you know." Uh, Cyclops' real dad. And this is going to bring in all these other characters. So I'm sitting there adding all these characters in my head that this is going to bring in uh, from space, and then it didn't didn't do turn out that way. And so then I'm like, oh, wow, this really sucks. And then somebody else came on on Reddit, and they said, no, it was on Twitter, and they had stated about this, you know, hey, this has been out long enough. You know, Shatterstar died, just, you know, that was a reference to how bad Inhumans was, down with aliens. <laughs> all right that's pretty funny yeah that's a good yeah. line and so, I like so when I, read, I was like that, that that's cool i can handle it i i did i I'm, I'm glad as it played on because it gave us more cable and more domino however we do know that those characters were added onto, like they were had re they had reshots so that they had more more time on so screen. after the test screenings most of the fans were coming back saying we want more cable more domino so they went back and shot some more scenes, which they always come back and shoot yeah. more scenes. But they went back and shot some more scenes with uh, Cable and Domino, which me and you both really liked. So in this scene, because Domino's lucky, played by Zaza Beats, she survives. Mm-hmm. And, and she kind of plays Domino almost as like a passive-aggressive superhero. You know, yeah. just kind of in a little argument with Wade. She's like, no, I'm lucky. She, He's like, that's not a superpower. She's like, yes, it is. And she doesn't really expand upon that. And her line, her dialogue in this movie, it's very limited. Mm-hmm. It's not too many lines. She says a couple little one-liners that are funny. But she's kind of your passive-aggressive superhero. But she's fantastic. I love Zaza Beats in this role. Uh, I think she's. I think it was played really well. Josh Brolin, to me, is, is Cable. Zaza is Domino now, but, I mean, not really attached to it at all. But she did a great job. She, I'm not going to dog her. Yeah. yeah. So during this convoy that they have to try to get Fire Fist and the reason that Deadpool sets up this whole team to stop Cable, Cable is trying to stop the convoy to kill Fire Fist, which ensues this huge action sequence with Domino falling right into the driver's seat of the convoy and her just extremely lucky abilities you see a little bit more and Cable and Deadpool going at it in a couple fight sequences. But really what this unlocks is that the the convoy wrecks at the end of this, and Fire Fist unlocks Juggernaut, which ensues beats the crap out of Deadpool. Yes, <laughs> which is a great, which is a great scene. Beats the crap out of or rips in half. Uh oh yeah, rips him in half because this is where we get Deadpool baby legs. <laughs> which, as funny as it was, it did. This leads me to one of my problems with it. I know that they're probably striking for the co- comedic part of it, yeah. but baby legs should have been like in in the first in the first film when Wade Wilson had baby hand yeah. baby hand did have modeled and was looked like it was burned 
his if he's regrowing his body then he, or his other half of his body then that should be modeled and burned and not not yeah baby. you pointed it out to me which i didn't catch in the movie but you're right those were from very smooth baby legs yeah yeah no burn no burn victim there on the baby legs which brought you to the point with well if he cuts off his head is his head just come back not burned because well, you know, his head doesn't grow that's the one thing about him is, is yeah. that his head's always the, the the growing point yeah exactly yeah so the baby leg scene is funny it's in blind alice's house and he's trying to recruit from juggernaut basically destroying him but now he has to go up against fire fist and juggernaut because those two have teamed up and this is where we get the team up of what we suspect the new x-force to be is that cable teenage uh the Sonic Warhead. Uh, why do I always say that? Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Yukio, Cable. They all show up to kind of lift the spirits of Wade Wilson at this point. And Cable shows up, which gives you the funny scene of, of Blind Alice pointing a gun right into Ryan Reynolds' face because she doesn't really know where to point it to, why everybody else points guns at Cable. But this gives us the team up of where Cable is actually asking for Deadpool's help, which ensues... Deadpool asks for Colossalus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Yukio and Domino's help at the same point, which gives us our new team going forward in the probably in the next X Force movie. How did you like that the, the, the third act of this movie is kind of Josh Borland as Cable saying, "Hey, I can't be Juggernaut on my own. This guy's way too powerful. You guys are stupid for letting this guy out. I need some help. Let me team up with the guy that I know who, assumingly, I can't kill." Because at this point, Cable's pretty frustrated with Deadpool because yeah. he just can't get a, he can't get a one up on him. Uh, I liked I liked it because it one it allowed us to see a, a very it was very brief but it allowed us to see a very quick comedic jest by Cable. Very quick, yes. Yeah. But it was just enough to like go okay, I see where this can go, and it was like it was again it was like after you have all that brutality that happened, you're just like. I see where X or X Force is gonna go. Almost today, I almost said it. Not not Simon Cow. No, <laughs> no not not not, uh, not Mantis. <laughs> yes, uh. but the third act does show us Cable's and Deadpool's ability to play on on scene uh, on the same scene together and play off each other, and I thought it worked really well. I didn't think there was any. I didn't think. I think Josh Brolin and Ryan Riddle's playing off each other as these two characters is fantastic. I'm all for it, man. So the third act, we get the all the group is going down to try to save Fire Fist. Basically, Josh Brolin, Cable is giving Wade Wilson one more chance to save Fire Fist, get him onto a a superhero path. Don't go go down the road of Juggernaut. Don't become an evil mutant, or Cable's gonna shoot him and kill him. So we get the end scene at the orphanage for mutants, where Fire Fist is is pretty uh pretty stead uh, headstrong about burning this whole place down and killing the headmaster of this place. Now we get into a great scene where Colossalus and Juggernaut get into a fight, which is amazing. I love it, but I love the fact that and this is one of the times that the fourth wall really worked for me is when Deadpool looks at the screen and goes, "Great, a CGI, a complete CGI fight." I, that worked really well for me, man. Yeah. And that's and because the fourth wall is broken down so many times, it, it needed to be done lesser for it to have more of an effect for me. And that's what I brought up in the first part of the, the montage. But this one did work for me because it wasn't done for a while, so it hit harder for me. But that ending battle scene where Warhead and Yukio all beat up on the Juggernaut. She electrifies the pool. Juggernaut gets thrown into it, electrified. 
it was a cool little fight scene at the end there. Colossus gets his head dented in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh my god, I forgot about that. But that's uh that's Juggernaut showing his ability. Usually he says Juggernaut cannot be killed, or he says his line is usually Juggernaut can't be stopped. And the thing that I liked most about this though is right before this scene happened, they were walking in. They're walking in, and as we're walking up, they say, um, he, or as as they're walking up, Fire Fist is talking to the Juggernaut. And it's like a, yes. a buddy. And he goes, so you wear that helmet so that your brother can't your brother can't read your thoughts. He goes, my half-brother. Or no, my stepbrother. And it was a perfect tie-in to this, the X-Men last stand, just like you mentioned earlier about the convoy. It was a perfect tie-in, and it brought you up to speed on Juggernaut like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, great with a little one-liner. I mean, it was perfect. Yeah, because it was the thing that that uh, Ryan Reynolds really hated was that Juggernaut was never, uh, never mentioned that he had any relation to Charles Xavier. Oh, okay. And All so right. that was a way for him to fix that. That's a good point, man. I mean, there's got to be. I mean, if you have Juggernaut in a movie, you have to mention the fact that he's related to Charles Xavier at some point. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to the third act overall, and. What happens at the end here is that Deadpool does get into Fire Fist and gets him to kind of change the path that he's going to. And the the how he does this is he sacrifices himself by putting on one of those necklaces at the prison that we see that takes away his mutant abilities. Cable tries to shoot Fire Fist. Deadpool takes the bullet for him, actually. And at that point, I was like, oh my god, is there not going to be a Deadpool 3? This might be the end of it. Another shocking reveal to me is that it, it might have killed him. And he's telling them, don't remove the necklace. Just let me die here because he wants to see Vanessa. And the whole the whole storyline with Vanessa and him throughout this movie was that Vanessa was giving him little tells about what he needed to do to actually break through, to actually get back and uh, be actually be with her again. And that was really loving Fire Fist and sacrificing himself for somebody that he actually cared about. And he ended up caring about this kid a lot. I cared about him, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. with his little British accent. So him sacrificing himself at the end is what catapulted this movie going where we were like, oh, my God, Deadpool's dead. And then it catapulted to like, oh, no, we just opened this this wormhole up into a whole new direction here. And that was the fact that Vanessa tells him that he's not done and he has to go back. And Deadpool, of course, is still alive. The necklace gets removed. He's revived. He uh, Cable uses his last time jump to go back and save Deadpool's life. So we now we know Cable's out of time jumps. He can't go back in time, back to his family. Sorry, he can't go into the future and, and go back to his family, which he sacrifices something at the end. So they both sacrifice something major at the end to actually save Fire Fist and to save Deadpool, which is two good things, and they're kind of storylines connected at the end there. I really like that. Uh, the fact that Cable sacrificed a, a whole lot to kind of stay in this timeline. And he even makes the he even makes a little joke. He's like, I'm going to stay here and make sure you guys don't screw anything up anymore. So this is kind of the end of, of Deadpool. You see Domino, Colossalus, uh, Fire Fist, and Deadpool, and Cable as kind of your next X-Force. Teenage Negasana Warhead and Yuko go a different direction right at that end scene there. So it kind of makes me feel like that they might be in Deadpool 3, but they definitely are not in the X-Force movie. That's how I that's how I'm looking at it. 
And they might also, pop up in the new X-Men. They might pop in an X-Men. Film. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And also, Dot Pinder is at the end of this movie, too, which he ends up running the taxi over the headmaster and killing him, which is funny. And it brings Dot Pinder into this world where throughout the movie, Dot Pinder's storyline was that he wanted to be a contract killer. Now, he wanted to live Wade Wilson's life. And Deadpool throughout the whole movie is telling him, you don't want to go this way. But he doesn't want to be a taxi driver anymore. It was a good storyline for Dom Pender. It was a funny ending too. So I guess Dom Pender is part of the next four. I guess he is too. So that's that's the overall. I gave it an eight out of ten. I know you gave it a, a eight out of ten too. So real quickly, we'll just go into what happened after the movie, which to me was the best part of the movie. It was. It really was. And that's the end credit scene of Ryan Reynolds going back as Deadpool and cleaning up his own personal timeline and also Deadpool's timeline. And he goes back to X-Men Origins <laughs> where we have the – where we actually do get Hugh Jackman in the movie, but it's act, it was actually a scene from uh, Wolverine Origins. And they're in the – I believe it was an, a hangar, yeah, an airport yeah. hangar. And Wade Wilson sitting at the door with his mouth typed, taped across or whatever. They sewed, sewed his mouth shut. And Deadpool comes and shoots him in the back of the head. And I was like, yes, kill off that character completely. I'm done with him. I, I was really happy about that. And I was happy that Hugh Jackman allowed them to use that footage because I guess he had to uh, yeah, yeah. say it was okay with that. And then the next scene is that actually Ryan Reynolds picking up the Green Lantern script <laughs> and reading it and Deadpool shows up to shoot shoot himself in the head. I mean, I mean, dude, has there ever been a better ending credit scene than that one? Man? No, you can't, can't get more meta than that. And the funny thing with that was that Warner Brother was so angry with it that they yes. actually tweeted to him. They go, "Hey, uh, Ryan, or you know, at Vanity Reynolds, you know, we will, we'll take back our ring now." And he says, "He says we should have thought about that. You know, this we should have thought about that a long time ago. You know, if we would have used the, uh, if we would have used uh, the new, the Nuva ring, which was, he, oh he yeah, goes, which was what was, uh, high, you know." being used back when the, that movie came out because this this bastardized baby never would have been born. Which is a reference to Vanessa taking out the Uvarine yeah. earlier in the movie yeah. to have kids. Yep. And also the last end credit scene and I'll go quickly. I know we're going really long here and I apologize but I've written out a lot. Oh no, no bro. Yeah. Was, well, apologizing to you and the listeners, Damien, oh. not just you here. <laughs> was, the, was that we see Negasonic Teenage Warhead, I hate saying that name every single time, and Yukio fixing Cable's time jumper. And that's when Deadpool Wade Wilson gets the idea to time jump back, and he saves Peter, only Peter. He doesn't save Zeitgeist, Bedlam, definitely not Shatterstar or Vanisher. He doesn't save anybody else. He just saves Peter, and he goes back in time, and he stops the bullet from killing Vanessa. So maybe... And Deadpool 3 will actually get some on-screen time between Vess and Vanessa and <laughs> Wade Wilson. We'll, we'll see. We'll see because if they follow the part of her becoming a superhero, she dies and then yeah. he finds her later on as she was turned in basically by the Weapon X program into a superhero. Yeah, but this one shows him going back in time and, and saving her life. So yeah. I wonder if that will happen or not. And also the directors of this movie, the writers. Said no more said time. That, no more time. No more time jump. They said it's too hard to do. It's too hard to keep everything straight. Which I understand. I, I don't mind my multiple timelines, but it, it is hard to do if you're going to do multiple movies like that. Yeah. So it was fun. It was a fun movie overall. I really enjoyed it. I know you enjoyed it too. Didn't hit as hard for me as Deadpool 1. Some of the fourth wall stuff didn't hit as hard as for me as I mentioned before. But I really enjoyed some of the extra characters they brought in and then killed off 
That was great, man. It was, I mean, because you don't ever see that happen. And nope. Ryan Reynolds is like, no, I'm going to kill off Terry Crews and Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter. Poor Peter. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, you know, but I do hope that Peter comes back for X-Force. Well, I think he will. I think he's going to be that, you know, because I feel, of I feel like, Miller. Yeah, see, I, it's because of TJ Miller's personal stuff that he's done. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be in Deadpool 3, which I think they mentioned that before. So maybe Peter will take over that weasel role, uh, yeah. that funny side character, you know, sidekick kind of character. Yeah. Which is great. He's a stand-up comedian in real life. He's mm-hmm. a funny guy. You know, his show on Amazon Prime, uh, Catastrophe, he's hilarious and everybody should watch that too. All right, guys. So with that, we are coming to an end with dead, with this episode. And it, yeah, it went long. It was a lot of talk about a lot of fun things. Uh, yeah. I I can't talk <laughs> enough good things about the Deadpool uh, film. Uh, the trailers we saw, guys. The trailers were amazing. Bumblebee, yeah. You know, if you want to gush about films and play games with us and do all that stuff, be sure to check out our Discord. Linked below wherever you find our podcasts. Also follow us on Facebook. Talk to us on Twitter. You can find me. On Twitter at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. You can find Geekologist Radio on there. If you message it, I will get a notification. I'll jump on there and post there. We're working on some stuff on the Twitter page because we follow, like we did, some, we did that trying to do that one thing. You know, back in the day when you're like, oh yeah, follow a bunch of people, they'll follow you back. Didn't really work. We need to work on that. So we're going to work on that Geekologist actual official Twitter. Get that taken down. But again, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Damian Nash, all one word. You can find Nick at Nickipedix, all one word, and go to the iTunes page. Rate, leave a comment, like us, please. It does help. We do appreciate it. I do check them. Uh, so I would appreciate more people going on there. And if you just hit the like button, fine. Hit the stars. You know, leave a little comment. I, I really do appreciate it. You can also email us at geekologistradio at gmail. That's our, that's our, our, what we get most of our emails from at the moment for the website uh, or not for the website, but for the show till the new website goes up. And uh, also guys, make sure you check out ninjapancake.com. If you want to find a bunch of just really awesome podcasts over there, they're all, they're all entertaining in their own right. That's, that's our affiliates that we're with. And uh, be ready, guys. We're going to be showing up live uh, for the second the second time. We're just getting everything squared away, but we will be on Mixer. I've been building up points. I've been learning the ins and outs of Mixer. And uh, Geekologist Radio does have an account on there. We are jumping into to, uh, streamers and stuff like that, talking to them. If there's a Mixer streamer you would like to talk to, let me know so I can jump into their stream and see if we could sit up, you know, see if we get contacts, if we can set up an interview for them. And with that, guys, this episode, we are out. Mm-hmm.